Welcome to Brand New Doctor with me, Rola Kerojo, doctor turned brand strategist and graphic designer for health and wellness. Each episode, I talk to an inspiring doctor or dentist who has built a successful brand and share insights with you on everything they don't teach you in medical and dental school, on how to succeed and make a lasting impact. Your success story has already begun, but life doesn't hand out pass marks. So this is for you if you want to go beyond book smart. I'm curious, how many graphic designers do you know? If you can count the number on one hand and I'm one of them, then that's completely normal. Because why would you need to know a graphic designer? Does healthcare have anything to do with design? And what could you possibly learn from it as a healthcare professional or student? As a doctor and graphic designer in health and wellness, I would argue that the world of design could teach you a lot. But you don't have to take my word for that. My guest, Jack Trotman, has a lot to say on the topic too. Jack is a seasoned graphic designer and educator, becoming the head of the UK branch of Shillington College of Graphic Design this year. Having worked in publishing, architecture, film, and art to name a few, he knows a thing or two about the wide applications of graphic design. He is also my teacher and mentor from my time at Shillington. Part sage, part humorist, I learned some of my most memorable lessons on work and life from him. Like how empathy is a key part of solving any problem with design. Sound familiar? Maybe healthcare and design are two worlds that shouldn't feel so far apart. Good design can help your personal brand stand out from the rest. It can improve accessibility in healthcare environments. It can even improve clinical safety. So, are you ready to talk about healthcare with a graphic designer? Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to jump into this conversation with you. It's been a while since, well, it's been about well, it, like two months since I graduated. Yeah, when you, when you, yeah, when you arrived, when you arrived back onto campus, yeah, I think you were kind of blown away because you were seeing the students working on a part of the course which is very close to the end, and you were yeah. like, "What already?" <laughs> So yeah, it's lovely to catch up with you again. And I'm really excited to ask you questions, both as a designer and a doctor, because I think that there is a lot that we can learn in the medical and dental world from design, actually, from Mm. taking a step outside of our profession. Yeah. So I guess the first thing I should say is that you and I are born on exactly the same day. Can you believe it? (laughs) It's insane. It's insane. The only reason I found that out is because I had to look at your COVID, (laughs) your negative result. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I mean, so fellow Leo. Yeah. Do you believe in? I know. No, but but I still find it. I like to read them because it makes you reflect on, on yourself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of it is just kind of confirmatory bias. Yeah, what but are we supposed to be as Leos? We're supposed to be really outrageously confident and like really into ourselves. Cool, so you got your own podcast, <laughs> <Yeah>. tick. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that I wasn't a Leo, but I've been just a low-key Leo and I didn't even realise it. Leo. Yeah. <laughs> <That's me. laughs> yeah. And I talk on stage for a living, so I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. So the first thing really I wanted to talk about, you know, you and I being born on the same day, it's interesting that we've taken very different career paths and they have now kind of converged. They've come kind of come full circle now. Yeah. And I think people would really love to hear about your 
career trajectory to this point. Can you tell us a little bit about that? My trajectory into becoming a designer, I guess, is much more traditional in the sense of I did an art foundation course, which was free, amazing. Mm -hmm. If you're under the age of 18, I think you can still have a free art foundation course in the UK. I applied to lots of universities as an illustrator and my tutor was like, you know what, if you actually want to make a career have you thought about graphic design Mm -hmm. at that point i didn't really know what that was and read a few books went under the assumption that a graphic design a graphic designer is someone who designs record covers obviously i now know it's more than that but i went to study at university of leeds and i had a great time i wasn't the best student though I was involved in the music scene much more and was creating a lot of work for myself and wasn't focused on my studies very, I I must (laughs) admit. After studying at Leeds, I ended up with a few other people starting a creative collective together Mm -hmm. where we we just decided that we could try and make make our own of it and try and work on design projects. I was working with illustrators, photographers, designers, fashion clothes makers, all sorts of different people, really interesting people, and was having a great time doing that, but then ended up getting to a point where everyone went off and did amazing things and started working in amazing different companies, and I suddenly realised maybe I need to have more of a legitimate job. So (laughs) that's when I got actually into the world of design and started off working in a design studio as an art worker actually which was really great I basically learned how I learned the world of print Mm -hmm. so I was there I was the person who would take work from designers and set it up to then get printed Mm -hmm. so I was learning firstly relearning and actually kind of really learning how to design stuff Mm -hmm. because I would see their files they would tell me why they did stuff and then as a result of that I ended up working as a designer for that studio just by asking a lot of questions and by kind of a a few moments where someone couldn't do a project and I put my hand up and did it and then ended up kind of moving away from art working into more design Mm -hmm. and then since then I've worked in the world of property marketing which is as exciting as it sounds (laughs) and then more more branding like traditional branding and then in the world of architecture mm-hmm. as a graphic designer which is which was probably the most exciting part of my career working on concepts for architectural projects mm-hmm. from a graphic design background yeah amazing because you can kind of apply your thinking to another design approach and then since then freelancing as a designer working in the world of film working doing freelance projects for all sorts of different clients and at the moment because I'm now teaching design and here I'm head of teaching in in the UK the design work that I do now I can do things that I actually really believe in so I can work Mm -hmm. on projects that I'm not trying to gain an income from I can work on things that I actually want to do to give back so because 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 I have a job mm-hmm. so my design work is pro bono as much as possible because I feel like there's there's people who need effective design who don't realize they need it mm. and there's an opportunity to give back to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford design yeah not that what I'm doing is like high and mighty but <laughs> it's just it's an opportunity that I'm in yeah. to be able to do and I I, I like doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's really interesting that you talk about doing pro bono work because I guess until coming into the design world myself, I didn't really, I didn't appreciate the need for design. If that makes sense, that yeah. it could be a charitable thing, even because there is, it, it, it's necessary. It's not, it's not a nice to have actually. If you want something that you're making or sharing to be effective, that kind of leads me to my next question because. I feel like my career was always guided by beliefs. When I was a teenager, I was told that a career that followed a very kind of typical professional trajectory like medicine or law or engineering was the way to go because people will always need those things. But now I believe that everybody will need designers forever. Designers are, are, are needed in the world. And so I just wonder what did you believe about the impact of design when you were young? And how has that changed to how you look at it now? Probably the reason why I really was aware of design in terms of graphic design is more of an awareness of just cultural things. Mm-hmm. So if you if 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 you're 
if you're shown or if you i think i was lucky enough to have like friends older siblings hmm. who would like introduce me to cool music or like my dad bought me cds that were awesome what was it that kind of opened your mind up to to the broader applications of graphic design the broader applications of graphic design well you got to remember that when i when i started doing graphic design digital design was very much in its mm. it, it wasn't well designed i would say digital right. design the thing that was the big thing was print design now i feel that we all uh, we all we all have an experience of design because of technology mm-hmm. so you make design decisions even if you're just putting together a word document even if you're in your day-to-day life rearranging your room whatever it might be these are mm-hmm. all design decisions the clothes True. that you wear even if you feel like you're not ma- if, even if you feel like you're not making a statement by not making a statement you are you are actually making a design statement mm-hmm. so everyone is everyone is naturally in their day-to-day lives doing design work they just don't realize it coming to into the design world just realized i just realized that everything is designed that our experiences are designed as well and it's not just about the visuals Mm -hmm. that we can really affect the way that people feel about things and so you know now i can i can think of a million and one things that i think could be designed better in healthcare and in the gp practice or the digital the standard of digital design in healthcare as a whole generally that that can be improved and i just wondered from your experience you know as a designer and a human being from your experience of healthcare what would you want to change is there anything in particular that you can think of that you might want to change well the 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 companies who are being successful there are companies like babylon Mm -hmm. people like that who have really obviously successfully thought about how to use digital design to make the process of seeing a gp much more successful Mm -hmm. yeah the things that for me would be better designed would be i'll give you a big one hospital wayfinding yes that's a good one i'd love to design some hospital wayfinding Mm. because we should team up (laughs) yes because it also shouldn't necessarily be a visual thing Mm mm-hmm we should be thinking about haptic technologies. We should be yeah, thinking about like the rumble stripe theory of, of if I have my, f- if I have an appointment in a certain part of a hospital, mm-hmm. I have my phone in my pocket. It vibrates if I go off course or wow. maybe it vibrates if I need to turn the corner. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. just, I'm just spitballing here, but it, we have to design inclusively. So Mm-hmm. currently hospital hosp- hospital wayfinding is not it's completely visual i can't think of an example of a hospital and obviously i'd love someone to correct me if i'm wrong here mm. and i'm thinking about nhs nhs hospitals mm-hmm. a color a color-coded system something that you have to look up for something that seems to require like an a, a knowledge already of mm-hmm. things calling wards random names random names yeah rather than just what the service is that it provides Mm -hmm. these are all things that could be better designed through user testing and through actually like making asking people who go to the hospital could you even find your way to this place (laughs) yeah and i guess within that there's 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 the whole experience behind being in a hospital as well Mm -hmm. and making the places feel less like it's a medic it's a medical environment but it doesn't have to feel yeah like there's there's definitely like a there's definitely a front of house of a hospital yeah. that could be more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> uh, Agreed. Yeah. And there's obviously places where it needs to be different, but mm-hmm. yeah, hospital wayfinding. If I could redesign that, that'd be a dream job. Yeah. And we should collaborate on it. Yeah. Because I think we could do it. I think I think we could do it too. I don't know if it'll be successful what we do, <laughs> but I'd like to see what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be you know the doctor who doesn't know their way around that hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Consulting. Come, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this ward which i don't know the name of <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i think that i think that sounds like a great idea and, and to your point about just the environment of hospital the kind of front of house of hospital completely agreed i think that especially when i was working with my sister in the dental practice that was a really important focus for me is 
to kind of take out that kind of those clinical references that put people on edge yeah. that aren't necessary there's this kind of you know there's a color palette i would say in my mind that i associate with healthcare that i actually think is triggering for people yeah and it's not completely necessary let's say not in every instance i don't know if there is a kind of design purpose sometimes to always have blue on everything i don't know where that's come from yeah i'm, I'm not really sure if there, there is something to that there probably I've, is you know yeah i, know I, that, I would like to research i know that, that the reason why things are white is because people mm-hmm. use lime paint right to paint i think this is this is the cholera pandemic oh okay this is what, obviously hundreds yeah, of years yeah. ago You'd lime paint something if there was a cholera outbreak because that would kill the mm-hmm. the, the, the is, bugs. It, is it a virus? No, it is a bacteria. The, it would kill a bacteria. Mm-hmm. So I only know half of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then they, then there in there in lies the association with white being clean. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's more of an association than it is a like necessary design choice. Yes, you know I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but, then, it, but it's good to work with people's associations sometimes when they're good associations. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. otherwise someone would be un- very uncomfortable. <laughs> brown. Yeah, like a brown <laughs> like wall. Brown sheets. Yeah, in hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah. We would not like Probably that. practical though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we can dial up the positive associations and dial down the the negative visual associations yes yeah, 100%. I, I think that's what we should I, be aiming for i think as well if you just if you think about like where we've gone wrong with because design isn't just visual it's also sonic sound mm. where we've gone wrong with alarm sounds yeah particularly in a hospital oh you just you ignore them all these alarms that mean different yeah. things but then yeah. there's maybe one that's actually really mm-hmm. meaningful but because there's so many yeah that's not a positive no, environment no no it's not good you you ignore most of them yeah and you have to i remember having to like be aware of the sound of the 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 one that meant there was we needed to run to that patient's bedside yeah. but then no patients know that do they so they just think that every sound is a bad sound <laughs> yeah, every, yeah it's just a alarming they, it's yeah. alarming but they, yeah it's good there should be the you know the kind of sound that's it's fine or it just does there even need to be a sound but yeah yeah that can be something else that we can we can redesign the thing for me about design for healthcare or i guess i guess that's quite a broad sense healthcare mm-hmm. but the thing that it reminded me of is the importance of design and how if you're trying to use design to convey very complicated ideas very quickly mm-hmm. and easily for someone to understand when someone's potentially like someone's life is at risk if this goes yeah. wrong if you're a graphic designer and you're designing something that is maybe a life-saving act because yeah. you're making something clearer i can imagine that's a very difficult thing to design mm-hmm. I, I, it makes me think of I, I heard an anecdote about a PowerPoint presentation that was made for NASA. Right. And how, I mean, I can't really, you know, I can't remember exactly which rocket it was for, but there was a there was a rocket that went up to space and there was a fault in it. And the reason they tracked it back to the reason why there was a fault in this rocket was because a PowerPoint presentation was created for health and safety and the creation of this rocket, but it was really poorly designed. It was like really unclear. There were oh, loads wow. of words on this presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, they hadn't thought about how to convey it visually. Yeah. So something that was really important was lost in, you know, a hundred bullet points on a page. Yeah. So I kind of drew a parallel between mm-hmm. the importance of that kind of design and also in healthcare, how, how it could have that kind of importance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think what has always kind of stood out to me is just that, you know, we're dealing with people in heightened situations and I feel a lot of the time there is less consideration of how people might be feeling and how you might want to communicate to them visually. I think people on a one-to-one basis are great, generally speaking, and in healthcare there's a lot of training around that. But I think about like signs and, and things that people are looking at. For example, when you go to a GP practice, they have like tons of these like really shouty signs and it makes you feel like you've done something wrong before you've even spoken to somebody. <laughs> yeah. And and a lot of the a lot of the time people are really anxious about going to see the doctor and already you're kind of you know blaring these messages at them. There are a lot of those 
those kinds of instances where I think that we can be a lot more mindful of how people are feeling. And just by empathizing, we can we can improve design for people. I also think, you know, something else that, that bothers me in healthcare is just sometimes the imagery that's used just doesn't represent the people who are using the service. Totally. Yeah, I see that a lot as well. So, yeah, I think I think on, you know, a day-to-day basis, definitely, yes. There's a lot that can be done in design, but also you're right when it comes to like algorithms and things like that. There's a lot of algorithms in healthcare and I have wondered if there are ways that we can make it visually very easy for people to get the information. It's mm. pretty, I think they do take a consideration with that. But I do wonder if there are ways that we could push it so that it really, really is very simple for someone to take a quick glance at something and know what they should be doing in a safe kind of way. Because obviously in anything you design, you're thinking about your demographic, who it's for, who the, who, I hate the phrase, user, <laughs> who, the, who the person is that's actually interacting with this piece of design. Within healthcare, there are the healthcare professionals, there are then the patients yeah. They're family members. There are people who you almost need to encourage to be to to look after themselves and go and see a doctor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's, to me, there's a there's a massive opportunity and a huge missed opportunity rather. Where's the joy? Yeah. In the design for healthcare, mm-hmm. where's the sense of like reward? Yeah. It's very much as you mentioned, focused around almost a fear mongering. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Style. Yeah. But then the I guess the only piece of design I can think of that is like a positive joyful piece of graphic design is the sticker you get after when you're a child yeah. <laughs> after you've had your teeth looked at yeah, by a dentist. By a dentist, yeah. More of that. Yeah, no, but for definitely. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Positive. More design. positive, yeah, yeah, leaning into the positive reinforcement rather than the negative. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I spoke about this and me wanting to design for healthcare. A lot of it was around the kind of the standard of design in healthcare I thought could be improved. Mm. And I understand that a lot of healthcare is very much in the public sector, but there is a commercial side, of course, as well. But even so, people want a visually appealing experience, no matter where they're coming from. So I think it's an opportunity to to help people to feel like they want to engage and that they feel safe in doing so as well. I, I actually wanted to ask you about this because I know that you are interested in in designing for education, and I wanted to ask, like, what is it that inspires you about that? Yeah, for yeah. schools and things. Where I felt that design within education where there was a failing mm-hmm. was the expectation for teachers to they themselves like create a really clear s- slide deck right. for their for their lesson or whatever something like that and of course you know within that there's so many choices as a designer what typeface do I use what colors am I yeah. using how am I making sure that people from well I guess people with all different types of learning abilities can understand the thing I'm teaching you right so as a designer you've got an amazing opportunity there to make things accessible to make things inclusive to make Mm -hmm. things clear to avoid any issues with legibility to avoid any issues with clarity so I really I mean a dream for me would to sort of work on a way of empowering teachers to have like templates that they could use Mm. like a design system a design system but also a way of like educating teachers to f- so they feel empowered so they know why they're using it mm-hmm. and what they're using it for and why it's more successful to show something in this way than mm-hmm. it is to you know put it in comic sans yeah. in bright green <laughs> maybe you know where it has a place but yeah yeah so I, I guess there's I guess within education if you drew a parallel with healthcare it's very similar mm-hmm there's people that need access to healthcare that may not necessarily have English as a first language. Yeah. So then what you, sh- what you need to be sh- showing them, if, you, if you're thinking about the public sector, who may not have the budgets to put lots of, invest lots of money into translating something into every single possible language. Maybe, maybe you can, but mm-hmm. also like, could you make it visually clear just yeah. through like infographics or through something that is more immediate and doesn't require lots of reading as well? So... Maybe there's something in that within healthcare, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah. I think you could probably learn from what's happening in digital design. Yeah. You know, if if healthcare were putting... I'm, 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 I'm talking about healthcare as a very broad term here. If a hospital or if the NHS were able to invest 
in improving digital design mm-hmm. they'd probably save money with people having to get in touch or being confused definitely there's probably a lot of back and forth that doesn't need to happen mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of like people waiting on hold on the phone because the information's not readily available for them yeah. so in that kind of integration is a huge opportunity and i'm sure it's probably happening already in the private sector but i've been on some, yeah. some private hospitals websites and, and it's still a bit it's still yeah. unclear yeah I it agree. doesn't feel very trustworthy necessarily mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's a different thing because that's a business mm-hmm. so it's a commercial it's a commercial thing yeah. so they need to look at it that way as well i suppose that's your point about the the kind of digital aspect of things this was why i got really interested in digital design actually i'd always been interested in anything visual but it was at the point where i started trying to design the website for my sister's dental practice and i got really really interested i was watching all kinds of videos about design about web design and people would break down websites and they'll tell you what was wrong with the design i'll be like until you said that i didn't know why i didn't like this website i just knew i wanted to leave (laughs) yeah because it's intuitive isn't it yeah it's intuitive and it really it really taught me you know how important design is because it's it's on a subconscious level a lot Mm. of the time it's really hard to teach that yeah it's really really hard like you're saying it feels it doesn't feel trustworthy and as a designer i could say it's probably because of like the alignment of things yeah yeah (laughs) the way that things line up or the space that you're giving them maybe the kind of treatment of the images and you know the average doctor or dentist isn't really learning that i guess the easiest way to convince someone of that is frame it back on a sense of if you were having to explain to someone a procedure mm-hmm. if you were a dentist you wouldn't never go so what's going to happen now is you're going to do this and this, and this. you wouldn't <laughs> like give everything at once you yeah. break it down and you'd probably mm-hmm. you'd probably have an introduction you'd give the reasons why you'd then maybe show them what this is in a diagram or explain it in some way you'd break it down and that's exactly what design's doing it's just breaking things down in terms of hierarchy and then understanding like how how to pace something so that someone feels like they're receiving the information in a way that's trustworthy or you know which we've already talked about but i guess they're being guided through an experience maybe they are being guided through Mm -hmm. i guess they can also choose their own I guess they can choose which bits to read. Yeah. That's the other thing about design is you're having your levels of, is someone just wanting to quickly skim this mm-hmm. and get a sense of it? If someone spends three seconds looking at this, do they still understand what it is? Mm-hmm. Do they actually need to read the paragraph that's there? And if they want to read that, how are you going to encourage them to read it? Mm-hmm. What type of person's going to read that? Yeah, so a lot of things to consider there but I think breaking it down more in a sense of well how would you say it can often really help people understand how then to present it visually because it's exactly the same there are a lot of stereotypes about creativity that I feel my experience at Shillington really upended for me because I suppose I I came in with this idea in my head that creative people are very imaginative but perhaps a bit impractical and maybe they can be taken by flights of whimsy or flights of fancy because I knew that when it came to my creative practice that was the way that I would be I I definitely found that through my experience here I became a lot more creatively disciplined more focused than I'd ever been in a creative sense yeah and and so that completely changed the way that I felt about creativity I felt I felt like it changed in my mind the relationship between discipline and creativity by coming here Mm. and so I guess I'm interested to know from you what other kinds of stereotypes or preconceptions do you have to fight against when you talk to people about design? I have a very similar experience when people... It's the it's the classic thing of like when someone asks you what you do for a career mm-hmm. and you you just mention the word design and there's an immediate as, an assumption of what kind of person you are mm-hmm. and I really think that designers need to get off their high horse, right? And realise <laughs> that essentially design... It, is a is a skill that you can learn creativity is something that is in is within everyone yeah and creativity just shows itself in different ways so if i if you look at like what has in the past been classified as an unskilled job Mm, okay wow well 
or, 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 or those kinds of careers that are maybe maybe seen as very much a vocational thing well, that's also what design is yeah. it's just that designers have been able to visually paint a picture of themselves that makes them more exciting a designer is just as creative as a plumber a, a plumber is just as creative as like a decorator like all these things are creative roles and they mm. all require problem solving yeah and they all true. require training to be able to do the things and use the tools in in design the tool might be a program or a computer or like a, a framework to be able to come up with a brand concept it's still a tool it's mm-hmm. still something you can learn so yeah i think people if people realize that then it opens the door to people realizing they can actually be a designer because there's a designer within within everyone mm-hmm. and everyone's got a different thing to add to the world of design to the world of design yeah. like a different perspective mm-hmm. so yeah like maybe if we stop even ye- <laughs> I read a really great book called Against Creativity by oh. Ollie Mould really okay. recommend it it really got me thinking about the sense of just the term creativity and how mm. loaded that is it's and mystical how it's, it is mystical and it's, it's attached to loads of different job roles mm-hmm. and it probably has a negative connotation if you said oh that doctor's creative then you're like well they're gonna do <laughs> like do you know what i mean <laughs> however a creative doctor to me sounds like someone who's problem solving and coming up with a solution mm-hmm, not yeah. like a Swedish chef, you know, from from the Muppets. So yeah, that's my that's my view on creativity and, and design yeah. and the kind of associations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's you know, it's really interesting because I wonder if, like you're saying, designers need to get off that high horse. I suppose for some people, they would rather that people continue to think of designers as mystically gifted individuals. Yes, and and it's funny. I think that actually making people realize that it is a skill like any other skill that you can hone and develop would actually increase the legitimacy of design mm-hmm. because it's like that person spent years just like working on their craft it's craft yeah, yeah yeah in the way that in medicine we're like wow that that doctor has been working or been training for many many years and that's what gives them credibility yeah. if we said that doctor is mystically gifted <laughs> yeah like some quack <laughs> i don't know <laughs> somehow they they just heal people yeah you probably would be less inclined to want to see them right mm-hmm. okay so i i wanted to ask you from the perspective of a medical student because i know that when when I was, you know, creatively minded medical student, I would have loved the opportunity to speak to a designer such as yourself. And so I kind of put myself back in that mindset and thought about the questions I would have wanted to ask you back then. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to know from you, you know, what do you think is the best way to gain an experience of design if you don't necessarily want to leave the career that you're in right now mm-hmm. but you would love to kind of break into the the design world in some way what do you think is a good way to do that well obviously i'm going to sell shillington yeah because we have part-time courses and online courses mm-hmm. which are accessible obviously there's a paywall to doing the course so mm. beyond that there are lots of free courses in mm. terms of like taster sessions and things like that that you can do but you just have to be careful because you might only ever learn how to make something aesthetically pleasing and not have an idea behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's probably that's the main thing you're paying for in a in a course like Shillington. It's how to design something that's effective rather than just something that is pretty. So I definitely recommend a part time course because it's manageable with your work hours and there's mm-hmm. like allotted times. So you're you're designing in so it's either a Monday or a Tuesday evening Wednesday Thursday or a Sunday mm-hmm. you know and then you know that that's when you're going to be studying yeah so it's very manageable mm-hmm. across, across nine months yeah and and what would you say about building a creative network if you are surrounded by just purely scientific or maybe tech people how to build a creative network yeah well I, I think if well, if you're if you're designing something and then you're sharing those things with the world on social media, then then that's that's a digital network that you could be sharing things with. Mm-hmm. But also, there's there's so many different Slack groups actually. Mm. Interestingly, yeah. of like freelance designers and different types of designers, where you can join these Slack groups and people share work in progress stuff, they share insights, they share tech problems. Yeah. So I'm aware that there's a lot of these that exist, but I can't name any because mm-hmm. I... <laughs> I can think of Arena. Arena. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah mm-hmm. that's a good one there's also a really great in terms of just going and watching designers talk about their work mm-hmm. really recommend the nicer tuesdays yeah, events yeah, yeah on, on every last tuesday it's amazing you get to see different types of designers different types of design share their process and they're really honest j- most most of the time really honest about mm-hmm. how they did it yeah and, and where they went wrong and where they yeah. learned from their mistakes and there's those sorts of great things mm-hmm. um, i saw a really great one where someone basically basically presented a pitch that didn't win oh okay and said why they were why the reason they were showing it is because they just did the pitch to develop another side of their design skills oh, that's but cool. they used it as an excuse to do that mm-hmm. and they knew that they weren't going to win the pitch yeah but they did it anyway that's cool and that was really inspiring yeah i was like cool so you're not putting any pressure on it mm-hmm. and what they came out with i thought was amazing mm-hmm. but obviously they knew that it wasn't going to be successful mm-hmm. but it was really inspiring yeah so I guess seeing seeing more of those things maybe makes you feel more like you can do it, yeah, and also makes you just want to do it. Mm-hmm. You get excited. It's like yeah. if you go to I, anytime I watch live music, mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna go home and write loads of songs now because mm-hmm. you, know, you see someone else having fun doing something, yeah, and the joy of doing something, mm-hmm. yeah. So really getting out in person and and going to these events where there are real people, yeah. I, I think that is a really strong, a good way to kind of immerse yourself a bit more in the design world if that's what you're interested in. There's definitely a lot of design online that you can you can look at and experience, but it's very different from an in-person type of interaction. Yeah, I mean, you'll also you'll also build a design community with the people that you study with. So, mm-hmm. like for yourself, yeah, that's your first that's my network first of designers. Network, I would say, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you're you're studying with, you know. 40 odd people mm. who all have all there for the same reason who all have completely different backgrounds who you wouldn't have normally ever actually probably interacted with mm. you know all these people with amazing different skill sets who you can learn from and then you're also learning design together and then when you graduate you often people work together stay connected mm-hmm. You know, if someone someone in your design network then ends up working for somewhere that you also want to work for, then they'll give you insight into how to apply for that role. And it mm-hmm. just and also people who have come before can come back and you can shout out to them because you're part of that network. So yeah, it's it's, it's purely a very positive thing. That mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I also wondered, you know, I think that designers are like doctors actually very enterprising because a lot of designers will have a full-time job but they'll also do some freelance work on the side as well yeah and you know doctors can be you know can have lots of different ideas and other things that they might want to do as a side hustle as well i wonder you know what from your experience it is maybe a good tip for someone who has a creative side hustle and a full-time job mm-hmm. uh, what kind of advice might you give them well, if it's a passion, then mm-hmm. keep it as a passion. Okay. Don't shoehorn it into your job. Yeah. However, if it's something, if there is an opportunity to shoehorn something in, so for example, if you if you wanted to uh, even design something in it, like let's say you were working in your dental practice, mm-hmm. and you could say, "I'm going to design these things for the dental practice." Yeah. So then you're you're still benefiting the company but then you're able to do the thing that you really really want to do but i think i think there is there is something about separation Mm. of like this is my side hustle therefore it is my side hustle yeah but i need to make sure i make time for that so in your full-time role if you can get flexibility to do that then that's amazing Mm -hmm. and if you can't there'll always be It'll always be, there'll be a negative side to it where mm-hmm. you'll be in your full-time role and you'll be thinking, I wish I was going and doing some mm-hmm. letterpress printing. Mm-hmm. That's my thing, whatever it, whatever it might be. So there will be a negative. So you'll probably not be happy in both of those things. Mm. Or, or mm, yeah, or you'll, or you'll see it as like an antidote. So I guess if it's a side hustle and you really believe in it, you just have to find the confidence somehow to pursue it as a full-time thing. Mm. Um, and then it won't be your side hustle anymore yeah but then you'll only have a good time mm. it'll be stressful yeah and it'll be hard mm-hmm. and you might have to sleep on a friend's sofa for a bit mm. but it might be worth it yeah because you might look back on it and think maybe i've made a decision here that wasn't necessarily a financial decision mm-hmm. but it was a decision for my mental health and my happiness yeah yeah because clearly that's why you started the side hustle in the first place it's mm. something that you want to do 
Yeah. So yeah, that's a really ref- refreshing perspective because you know I I think a lot of what you're saying about like the difficulty of these two things coexisting i can i can really i can speak to that as well i was really interested in pattern design mm. i still am but but for a time i was like maybe i want to like you know try and sell prints or something like that i want to upcycle furniture cool. with original kind of prints that i've made fabric prints that i've made and and it got to a point that where it was it was kind of it was hard going in at locoming was difficult because i didn't really want to be there doing mm. that and and then when I was at home I was like too tired and I didn't feel like I had the energy to do this other thing and a lot of people in the medical world I I mean I I don't think that we can say that there's one answer as to what people should do I just like that you've given a different one a lot of people would say you should do GP training because then you can go part-time as a GP and work do do some days of that and then do some days of whatever else you want to do and i thought oh that might be a good idea apart from i didn't really have a passion for gp training (laughs) and so and so i just realized that i would go into training for the purpose of doing it as little as possible just so i could retain my number or whatever and and then spend the rest of the time doing whatever else I wanted. I just didn't think that was a good use of my time. Because you could just train in the thing that you want to yeah. do rather than... Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I think it's actually... I think it's your point is really good that actually you need to examine where your passion lies. And if you don't... If you have a passion in both of those things, then great, do both of those things. Yeah. But if you only really have a passion for one of those things and it's your side hustle right now, maybe it should be your main hustle. Yeah. Yeah. You Because also you're... The thing that you're doing now was probably based on that decision that you made when you were... 16. Not, yeah, and you didn't mm. really know what you wanted to do. Yeah. But you were made to make the, make the decision. Mm-hmm. So everyone probably gets to... I'm sure... I mean, I guess you probably had a very similar experience to how I decided to go into teaching, which mm-hmm. was the case of like, actually, maybe this is... maybe. I really enjoy being a designer, but actually what I enjoy most is uplifting other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what teaching is. So that's, I had to make that big decision of, I know that I'm going into an industry that, or, or a career that I didn't have any experience in, mm-hmm. but I came into this career as someone with design experience. So that was definitely one of those like brave decisions that everyone has to make if that's something that they really want to do. So yeah. you, you, and you do everything you can to make that happen. Yeah. 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 Getting quite philosophical, which I enjoy. I know, yeah. So, you know, we were talking about healthcare professionals being quite enterprising. They might have, you know, aside from their main job, there are a lot of people who have different ideas or services for services or for a product or something or maybe like health tech even. For someone who isn't particularly interested in design, doesn't want to be a designer, where do you think is a good place for them to begin if they want to create a, a good cohesive brand? Well, it just sounds like they need to collaborate with with some people then because if they mm. if 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 they want to what so is this making a brand for themselves or like yeah it could be a personal brand personal or it might brand, be a brand yeah. around you know there's some doctors who want to start apps for example yeah well yeah. then if it's if it's something that you if it's something that you see if you have a vision for something mm-hmm. but you know that you don't have the skills to do, do that thing yeah then you get the other then you reach out to people who can fill in the blanks for you then if you've done it a few times you might then be able to feel confident doing it yourself mm-hmm. with fewer people yeah, or on your own. Mm-hmm. But like always work with people who are experts. I think that is a really good point that, you know, you need to bring on someone. I, I think actually that a lot of doctors do bring on someone, but they bring on someone to make a logo. Right. Yeah. So it's beyond that, isn't it? Yeah. So, so may- it's <laughs> more about like what, what kind of questions should they be asking themselves or how can they make sure that they are actually what they're doing is actually branding and it's not just creating a pretty picture. Yeah. Well, then do everything, do everything backwards. Mm-hmm. So design the logo last. Mm-hmm. You probably don't even need one. Yeah. I mean, I guess you do in some in some respect. You need think about the places where that's actually going to be. Mm-hmm. If it's an app, it will be on an app store, and it will be that's kind of it. Yeah, you know, one time at the beginning. So as you so actually in terms of like the prevalence of that or the importance of it, rather, you know, it's not that important. What's important is the 
the way you want someone to feel when they're interacting with it mm-hmm. and then your target audience and all these really important things so there is a i mean because it's such a such a you know because you've learned this mm-hmm. at shillington and also then just doing it and practicing it now in branding there is a there is a formula that you can teach and the kind of and the things that you know that you need to have for a successful brand there also needs to be a willingness to make that flexible and realize that like if you're employing a designer to work on a branding project the time and the effort should go into the thinking part of it mm. and then the actual creation of the visual is is like five percent of it okay so like the, it, it needs everything has to have intention mm-hmm. and that's the bit that takes a long time the strategy behind yeah the it. strategy behind yeah. it is is what's worth investing time and money into mm-hmm. and then the actual visual side of it is still part of what the designer will do but yeah. it it will be a much easier process based on mm-hmm. the underlying personality and everything else that informs that yeah brand. yeah so i guess that word intention is probably it isn't it for me that's the biggest thing it's like why is that there mm-hmm. why am I, why does it look this way mm-hmm. why have i chosen that why am i even doing an app yeah um, so you got to answer all those things before mm-hmm. and but include a, a designer in those decisions because they'll be able to look at it from yeah making things clearer visually mm-hmm. which is the most important thing for okay. that to be successful yeah i guess we should maybe take just one step back then and just give a definition of branding i yeah. have in my mind my own kind of ideas of what branding is but i'd love to hear what you think branding is in a traditional sense branding is is, is literally as it as it sounds branding your cattle <laughs> so that people know that it belongs to you so i guess branding started off as that it's like it was a logo it was like a, a mark of course now it's more about a personality to mm-hmm. a company yeah and and, a, and an association and a, a belief and a set of values mm-hmm. and a reason for the thing to exist yeah that's what branding really is mm-hmm. and then it obviously goes into the visual realm of mm-hmm. how it presents itself yeah. in the world mm-hmm. how it aligns itself with competitors and how it keeps people engaged with them as well mm-hmm. so as you can imagine there's a lot of things to consider in that and yeah. i think if you were if you were wanting to create a brand and you didn't and you didn't really understand what that meant or you were wanting to create yeah a company or whatever it might be think about like memorable brands for yourself that you remember you know whether that's a a tech brand or whether that's like a a fast food brand is there a recognizable thing from that that you can remember Mm. most of the time it will be the tone of voice and the way it speaks to you and then that's suggesting to you that it is about personality it's about like how how it's and how it's perceived Mm. but it shouldn't be you shouldn't do it in a way that you shouldn't try to be something. It mm-hmm. has to be authentic yeah. because people can see through that yeah. so easily. So, and there's, there's so much of that in the world of like inauthentic brands mm-hmm. and the ones who are the most successful, the ones who really simplify their mission mm-hmm. and wear that on their sleeve. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They, um, they know why they exist. Yeah. I think the why is a very big, a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that is a really yeah, I think that's a really important thing for people to realize anyone who wants to start a business, to be honest with you. I think that's important that to realize that the logo isn't your brand. It's part of your brand. But there's so much more else to that that you need to to consider as well. Yeah, it's like the number on your house. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, that's literally all it is. (laughs) Yeah. Or the door knocker. The door knocker. Yeah. Yeah. Intricate door knocker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So to finish off, I, I wanted to ask you a question that I ask my other guests on this podcast who are typically doctors and dentists. I usually ask them to imagine that they are the dean of the medical dental school okay. and that they went to and they have the opportunity to influence the curriculum in a way that they think will help people in their work life yeah. after they leave university. And what is it that they might want to change about the curriculum? You are a designer and an educator, uh-huh. and I would love to kind of hear from you what you think we could learn from design that could help us in our lives as well. So it doesn't have to be medical per se, but do you think that there's anything that we can, we can take from design as a practice that might help 
our approach to work and life. Oh yeah. So okay, well because because of naturally what it does, design has a has I guess the ability to give people a voice so whether that's a company or whether that's a movement or whether that's just an individual and that's really powerful Mm -hmm. and so that can be in its simplest form and or that can be a a really fleshed out thought through campaign it could be anything but what's important is that's giving someone a voice and allowing people to engage with another person so what you can learn from design is if you have something to say Mm -hmm. and you have a reason to say something you can share it with someone else in a way that they can easily understand it and that's how you can use design to effectively convey something Mm -hmm. and that's so so powerful and really important and uh, use it to your advantage if you have something you really really believe in Mm -hmm. use design to let other people have awareness of that thing that you believe in Mm -hmm. because because why not yeah i think that's great yeah it's so true i think design Design helps people to connect with yeah. your idea. We we have lots of ideas, but to actually get them out and without you having to stand and explain yourself every single time to every time to every single person that you meet, you can use design to actually to get your message out to people in a way that many different types of people can understand what where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I've had loads of fun. Yeah. Been awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode with me and Jack. It was so fun to record and also really interesting to connect the dots with design and just talk about healthcare from another angle. So I'll be making more episodes with interesting people outside of medicine and dentistry to share their fresh perspectives on healthcare, on work and on life. So you should definitely stay tuned for more of these kinds of conversations. If you are curious about design school, You can learn more about Shillington at shillingtoneducation.com and see the amazing work that students make there. There's also lots of valuable things you can learn about design from their blog. So I'll leave a link to this and other resources we mentioned during our conversation in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe and share the episode. I really appreciate your feedback So please leave a rating and review. It really does help other people to discover the podcast. And you can also follow me on Instagram at rollacare.so. That's R-O-L-A-K-E dot S-O. I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a DM and I'll be back soon with another episode of Brand New Doctor.